Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin with our really wonderful interview today for the Live Your Legacy series, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So just sit comfortably wherever you are, if you can. And of course, if you're driving, just pay attention to the road. Don't close your eyes. (laughs) Just breathe. Um, But let's go ahead and sit comfortably and cross your legs, place your palms open on your lap and close your eyes. And just breathe. Gently, just breathe. Allow yourself this moment to pause. Breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. And exhaling, releasing, relaxing. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being on the exhale. Just let go of any tension you feel. Breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. As you exhale, just release, relax, and let go a little bit more. And breathing in pure golden sunlight through your core, through your heart, through your mind. On the exhale, just let go of what doesn't serve you. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just release, relax, and let go. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being, go ahead and place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart and spend a moment thinking of one thing you feel grateful for. And as you breathe in that golden gratitude, filling your entire being with golden gratitude, on the exhale, just let go a little bit more. And filling your heart, filling your mind, filling your entire being with golden gratitude, release, relax, and just be. Breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just sink into your breath, into your body. And as you breathe in this pure golden gratitude to every cell of your being, On the exhale, allow that gratitude to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. Breathing in pure golden gratitude again to every cell of your being, allow it to wash over you again like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And taking one last deep breath in of pure golden gratitude, On the exhale, go ahead and open your eyes.
Ooh, now I feel like I've arrived. Well, I'm so excited because we have a very special guest on today. This is a woman I just love so much. Her name is Michelle Neff Hernandez. She is 2021. She's a 2021 CNN hero. Can you believe that? We are so lucky that we get to talk with her today. A gifted speaker and a committed advocate for the widowed and the bereaved. Her creation of Camp Widow and Soaring Spirits International has brought her global acclaim. Michelle regularly speaks to first responders, hospital workers, religious congregations, and diverse community organizations. She lives in Southern California. You can find her at Michelle Neff, N-E-F-F, Hernandez.com, and we'll have all of her information in the show notes. Welcome, Michelle. What a joy to be here with you, my friend. Oh my gosh, and you, and you. Michelle and I have had a long, um, we've known each other for a really long time because of the bereavement community. And um, Michelle has taken her work um, to just a whole different level than many of us. And her, her um, level of service is so high. How many Camp Widows are you doing now every year? And you've gone international with them, haven't you? We have. Um, this year, 2020, we'll do five. So we're doing somewhere between five and seven a year, depending on the year. And we're super excited to have a standing location in Brisbane, Australia, and in Toronto, Canada, in addition to our two U.S. locations for our weekend-long events, which are San Diego, where you and I got the opportunity to share Camp Widow, and then Tampa, Florida, which I just got home. We've, we've just held that event just two weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Well, we're going to go back to beginning with your story, because, of course, Camp Widow came out of um, Michelle's, really, her experience of loss and and so many times, you know, Michelle and I have talked about this, that our, you know, greatest suffering um, often indicates where we're going to end up serving others, whether we plan on it or not. I mean, you must love that <laughs> quote by Joseph Campbell, that you have to let go of the life you've planned in order to live the one that's been <laughs> planned for you. <laughs> the one that got delivered to your doorstep. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Right. So let's go back to how this all began for you and, and your story, Michelle. So in 2005, my beautiful, healthy 39-year-old husband, um, I like to, I talk about him in my book as a Greek god-like guy because he was just beautiful um, in every way, really. Anyways, he went out for an evening bike ride and was hit from behind by a car. And uh, an hour later, I was no longer married, but I was widowed and I was 35 years old. I have a blended family of six. So I had three um, stepkids and three kids that I brought to our relationship. And I had no idea what to do with myself. I, I just couldn't figure out where to turn to figure out who else was raising kids and grieving, who else was um, looking at what I knew kind of right away, I felt right away, like, wait, wait, I have still like a whole life to live. And that is going to be without Phil physically present. And that, that changes everything. It was, you know, a game changer in the worst way. And so my initial desire to find other people who could kind of help me 
get perspective, I guess, gain some perspective as well as understand the scope of the widowed experience. All I could think was, I guess I need to talk to other widowed people. And uh, some early conversations in that area led to the understanding of the value of community in this particular sphere. And what I next then wanted was to be able to offer other people an easier route to finding a collection of widowed people who are living really diverse experiences so that anybody could find someone who could kind of uniquely understand them, whatever their circumstance, whatever their gender, whatever type of marriage they were in or relationship they were in, you know, wherever they come from in the world. I just, I wanted it to be a huge space for holding the opportunity of connection for anybody who'd experienced the death of a spouse or partner. Yeah, I love that so much because as a younger widow too, you know, you, you, you just can't anticipate like being a young widow and, and it, it conjures up images of a much older person. Although there are many, many younger widows around, we don't know many of them oftentimes. And so there is that lack of community that that lack of, and let's just face it. I mean, honestly, you don't, you want to be around people who understand what you're going through because nobody does unless they've walked in your shoes. Mm. And we don't want to really take advice from somebody that hasn't walked in our shoes. Well, and I feel like that's true for every difficult experience we live. One of my my favorite things to say to people when they're living through something hard is find other people because there is a unique understanding and shared experience that can't be replicated in any other way. And that's so true. it's also true, like you said, for young widowed people. The funny thing is that people do know them. It's just that it doesn't stick. And when, because we have created this vision of what a widowed person is, and that person in our, often typically in our community vision is this, uh, you know, person who's lived a really long life, whose person they've been married a really long time. Um, I think that though that I'll say that one of the key things I learned in creating this community is how much we have in common, no matter what we may have that's different. And so as a young widowed person, I just kept thinking an older widowed person isn't gonna understand me. The truth is I did find understanding and community and love within my widowed community, no matter how long people had been widowed, how old they were, any of those circumstances. But as a young widowed person, I think it's kind of like, you know, the need for representation in every part of our lives. If you don't see yourself represented as a widowed person, if we don't see images of younger widowed people, then we don't believe that they're out there. And, you know, in the same way, if we don't see images of black widowed people, then we're thinking that's not for me. If we don't see images of people who are in same sex relationships, they think that's not for me. So it's really kind of about building a community where representation can be offered on so many levels in the hope that anybody who does experience this life altering event will be able to find someone who says, oh yes, this community is for me. Yeah, that's an, that's just such a really important point. I, you know, I, I go back to um, a couple of years ago when you asked me to speak at Camp Widow and I, um, and it was just such an amazing uh, experience because of course I had talked to grieving groups before, but I had never stood in front of over 300 people that were in grief, like in grief. 
and the same time. kind of experience that you'd had. Yeah. And I, I do remember the conversation we had. I said, okay, well, just so you know, it's kind of like, it's a thing when you're up there on that stage and you realize I'm looking in the eyes of all these people who have also woken up in a bed they used to share with the person they're grieving and that person's not there anymore and they have to figure out how to move through that experience and build something for themselves. There's such a unique exchange of energy. And um, oh, yeah. I loved the conversation we had after because you definitely, of course you did, being the energy worker that you are, of course you felt it, but it was just knowing that that wave is coming back towards you. Oh, it's a yeah. really different thing. It was so different than other crowds and other groups. Oh, so different. And, and yet I, I had this profound sense of what you must feel ongoing is just really honoring um, mm -hmm. my presence here on the earth by exampling somebody who's come through the other side. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think, you know, I, I love that you're part of this series, um, Live Your Legacy, because could you have ever known that you were going to have such a large legacy? <laughs> this was not ever my plan. That is for sure. The universe had a completely different plan than I did, especially at that time in my life. I was 35. I had a blended family of six. I was a personal trainer. My husband and I were really just actively involved in like building a family and you know, much like you, the two of us shared that, like we were in the mom thing. We were, yeah. we were very busily like taking care of and fostering through growth, these kids. And then, you know, this huge left turn, which takes them too, right? So not only are we now dealing with our own grief and our own complete transition out of one life into another, but then also parenting, grieving kids, which is its own um, unique challenge. Absolutely. So then at this conference, I remember I turned to you and I said, <laughs> I said, so Michelle, um, when are you going to write a book? Like, <laughs> Christine, really I tell this story all the time because it, I'm always like, it was Christine. It was the way she said it to me. <laughs> and I told her, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I know she did. She, she had this look on her face, like, like sort of this stunts, like I'd slapped her. And then, and then she said, oh, I, I just don't have time. And I, and I, what did I say? Do you have an hour a day? You said, in my career, I've never written more than one hour a day. Do you have an hour a day? Of course, then I'm like, well, how do you answer that question, Christy? Like, Chris, I don't, I said, if I get up at five o'clock in the morning, like it was just. And then I said, oh, I do. You did. You said, that's my best writing time. Sometimes I'm up at four. I was like, oh my gosh, there's no getting away from this lady. She's, she's going she's gonna to commit me to this. Well, I'll say, you know, you're, the beautiful thing about it is that, and this is what you and, and book doulas did for me, is that you made it feel possible because to that point, so backing up in my story a little bit, when I first started, you know, right after I was widowed and I couldn't find other people, I interviewed 30 widowed people. I wanted to write a book about their stories. And I even went through the early stages of the process, um, but I didn't have a platform. I didn't have a way to sell it. I didn't know what I was doing. And then I, and then I shifted hundred percent into creating an organization. And so in my mind, I had convinced myself that the book was never a thing. It was just a path to get to building the organization. 
And, you know, of course, the great irony is through building the organization, I built the platform upon which I could sell a book, but then felt like I was so overwhelmed by the work of the organization that, you know, I would do it when I retired. That's what I told you. I was like, I'll do it when I retire. To which you said, no, now's the time. <laughs> no, no, you don't wait till you retire. Now is the time. My other favorite part of this story is that, so we close that conversation. You ask me a couple pointed, challenging questions. <laughs> I continue to think about them. We have a lovely weekend. You know, I mean, your the response to your keynote was so beautiful. I was so happy because you and I had talked a lot about Camp Widow, but you hadn't, hadn't been in person yet. So it felt so good to be able to share it with you. One yeah. of your girls was there. Like I just, it was a beautiful weekend. So I come home from that weekend and I can't remember how, I think I must've gotten an email from you about book doulas. And I looked at it like it was an alien in my computer. And I was like, <laughs> uh oh, she's really calling me out. And so then I thought, okay, so I look a little bit more, I start reading the details and I think, you know, I just, I don't know if this is possible. I'm gonna send her a message and say, you know, I was just thinking maybe we could talk about it. You responded immediately. And I said, well, maybe we can have some time to talk. And you said, how about now? And I was like, ah! She wants to talk to me right now. Oh, I, but you know, and even those early stages, like the trepidation for me was, I just, it didn't feel possible. And you being able to kind of bring that down to like, no, I'm asking a real question. Can you spend an hour a day? And I knew the answer to that was yes. Um, and, and by the way, you're, you're, you're such a talented writer. I mean, you you write so cleanly and so beautifully and just so you're very um articulate very well thought out writer which is which is clearly this is part of your path and i mean i don't know there is that that is one of the gifts that i have is being able to see somebody yeah. really see them <laughs> yes and yeah. be able to call them out on what you see yeah <laughs> yeah and and i really <clears throat> saw that in you and i mean you were already a leader but I, I, I know that the, um, I know that the idea of, of living your legacy by also becoming an author is, is quite, it's quite scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some scary aspects to that of really putting yourself committed to the page like that yeah. and committed to the words. Well, and what I realized that this is another, you know, beautiful thing that you personally gave me was that, you know, as I was writing, so I had separated myself into kind of parts, which was my myself who serves widowed people. I felt super confident and comfortable in training widowed people and presenting for widowed people and sharing resources I believed in for widowed people. I felt confident writing in that realm. But when it came time to step outside, because my book is for anyone who's experienced a traumatic event in their life, of course, the foundation is my widowhood. But when I reimagine, so I imagine like I'm writing now for just the world and I'm terrified. Suddenly I'm terrified. The things that I think I know are not the, you know, are, are just feeling like that, like who's going to, they're going to question it. I don't, you know, how do I know this? What makes you, you know, the person to write this book? And you said to me, you know, you need to own your teaching voice. You're a teacher and you need to find and own your teaching voice. And that piece of advice changed everything for me because it was like, okay, you need to turn off all of the other things that say you can't and you shouldn't. And there'll be people who don't like it. And, you know, 
you need to turn all that off and lean in what you know. And I do know this material intimately, not only from my own personal experience, but through the experience of the people I have been privileged to walk with through these traumatic experiences of all kinds. Um, and so you, that gift of yours to be able to see and other people what they're capable of and inspire them, you know, to really look at things in a different way. It was that it was, and I, I remember when you said it, we were inside, we were in one of the rooms at your house in Shasta, you and Deb and I were together and I was expressing doubt and you were, and you were just like, no, you know, you have to find your teaching voice. And I was like, that's it. I, I have to find my teaching voice. And when I was able to do that, the writing changed completely. Then it was like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to write. It is a channeling experience. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, then I could just allow my natural talent to come into what I was pairing with the understandings and experiences and teachings that are a part of now stitch into my soul and be able to put that on the page. It made all the difference. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, I'm just going to show a picture of this beautiful book up here. Yay, I love it. I got so it pretty. in the mail. And look, look who wrote the forward. Hello. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is such a beautiful book. It's so pretty. They did such a good job. They did job. such a good New job, didn't they? I yeah, love World it. Library published this, and I know they're thrilled. And it's it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Different after you rediscovering yourself and healing after grief and trauma, Michelle Neff Hernandez, creator of Camp Widow. I mean, my dear, it just keeps growing and getting bigger and bigger and you just keep staying the same and you're just as humble as the first time I ever talked to you years ago. And I just, I love that so much about you. And I love so much what you're doing. And I, I only had a small taste of, of being a speaker at Camp Widow, but I, I saw the hope um, mm -hmm. that you gave these people. And, and it just, it's awe-inspiring. It's awe-inspiring because honestly, if you haven't lost a spouse or, I mean, God forbid a child or, you know, really a loss that's very unexpected in your life, um, you just don't know how lost a person can feel. Mm -hmm. And Camp Widow gives them that navigational um, tool, that place to go that helps to navigate their lives. And, and really, what an incredible legacy you're leaving. I mean, what an incredible, you're living it. You're living your legacy. And, and what does that feel like when you, do you, what do you, what do you feel like when you hear that? Yeah, I mean, it feels, it feels big in a way that I don't generally think of it, partly because, as you said, you're living it, right? So I'm and in the midst of it, of making sure that the programs can be delivered in a valuable and relevant way and running a staff and, you know, managing all of the things that go with that. But honestly, it's such a privilege. I really absolutely feel like building and having the opportunity to live your legacy is a privilege and not everyone gets it and not everyone, well, not everyone is granted the opportunity. You know, I think of my husband, you know, his legacy has expanded in ways he would never, ever, ever have imagined. And he didn't live that, I'm living it. And and I I feel privileged to do that. Um, but, in, but the other thing I think that's just so beautiful is 
being able to foster in other people the opportunity to consider their own legacy. Because especially in grief, so often we get really focused just on the person who died and 100% focused on, I wanna extend their legacy. I wanna make sure there are things with their names on it. I wanna make sure people are talking about them. And we lose in that sometimes opportunity to create our own legacy and to consider what mark we want to leave on the world and on the hearts of the people that we have the joy of interacting with. And so it's been a gift to be able to witness the changes that have happened in people's lives because I decided to do this crazy thing that, you know, at the time people were like, are you crazy? That is not something people want to attend. How are you going to fund that? How's that going to happen? And you know, 33 camps later, here we are. That's just, that's so incredible. I, I just, I love that so much, what you just said about everyone though, no matter who they are, can ask that question. Mm -hmm. What do you want to leave on the hearts of yeah. the people that you leave behind someday? Mm -hmm. How do you want to be remembered? You know, what, what, what gifts do have you given out to the world Mm -hmm. and, and we don't all, like you say, it's true. We don't all have that ability to, to leave, like, a, a, like lead an organization or right. write best-selling books or all those things. But we all have the ability to impact mm -hmm. the people in our lives in our, in our first and second and greater circles of community. And I'm so glad you said that too, because so many people will hear you know, like just the pairing of the two of us, like the, the differences that the opportunities we've had, the ways that we've expanded our own legacy and our, our um, husband's legacies, not everybody will do that in that way. And sometimes they take away the message like, oh, it's all supposed to be big. But I'll tell you that, this, that the thing that has made the most difference to me in, in Phil's death is the understanding that I get to choose how I spend my time. And um, I like to share with people that after Phil's death, so I'm the oldest of seven kids. My kids, my three kids are the oldest grandkids. And then, um, then there's another set, my next sister, next oldest sister next to me, her three. And then there's a big gap. And then the younger kids of our family started having children. So there's eight of them. Um, and I, I had this desire to make sure that I had a relationship with them where I know where they go to school. I know what they love. I know what kind of books they like. I know what's their favorite color. I know which one, you know, is quiet and which one is outgoing. And in a family as big as ours, it's easy to be one of the aunties who is just kind of, you know, you see them run, running past and you love them and they're great and they support you and you know it, but they don't know a lot about you personally. I wanted to be different than that. And I've spent a lot of time actively getting to know my nieces and nephews, the eight littles, we call them. And um, that's a direct result of my, my understanding of this choice we have and how we impact the people around us. And honestly, I'm not sure prior to Phil's death if I would have prioritized it in that way. And also they don't care if I run a big organization. They don't, they're excited about my book because they want to go in the bookstore and pick it up. I get pictures from them of my book in bookstores <laughs> with one of the kids because they're like, well, let's find out Michelle's book. But it's not about the process of getting the book or having any understanding of what that actually means. It's about, I have a relationship with this 
child who knows me and knows I know them and they want to celebrate with me. And so I say just to everyone, like we each have that opportunity every single day in every interaction that we have. And that that legacy is more, I would say, arguably more important than any really huge major thing you may do in the world, because while that may impact lots of people, if the people closest to you don't know that you love them, and if the people closest to you don't have that sense that you have invested your legacy in them, then you've kind of missed this layer of legacy that I think is just so meaningful. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I love you so much, Michelle. That was so beautifully said. And now you know why this woman is so special. Please go find her book, share it, have it one on hand when you know somebody who's going through a very difficult time in their lives. Um, it's called Different After You, Rediscovering Yourself and Healing After Grief and Trauma. Deborah Evans and I, um, we have a business called bookdoulas.com. And Michelle was is one of our prized our prized authors and fortunate to be included. Oh my goodness. We were, we, you and Amy, we, we had that you were our our picks for that group. We had a great group, a wonderful group, but um, you guys were our picks and we picked well. Mm -hmm. Both are amazing women and you've written just a beautiful, beautiful book. You should be so proud. Thank you. I know that Phil is just shining down with Mm. just, such light and such love and so proud of you for all that you've accomplished and and you began in his name and now you have um lived your own legacy into your name and i think that is so so beautiful with that um do you have anything you would like to say as a closing statement to our listeners today well first i i want to just acknowledge what a what a deep gratitude i have for you chris and for deborah because you are a part of what made all of this possible and and to everyone i i just encourage you to look around you and think my legacy is two feet from me (laughs) it's a phone call it's a text it's it's that easy to begin building legacy and if we can take legacy from the very big idea of what those waves, right? They just keep coming and coming. And the more often you do it, the further out the wave gets. But if you can start small, start close to you and continue moving outwards, then you have the opportunity throughout your life to create a legacy that is packed with love and joy and gratitude. Uh, Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for this incredible conversation we've had today. And I thank you to my listeners, to our listeners today. And Um, No matter where you are, what you're doing, you always have love to give. Thank you for listening to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author and beloved teacher, Christine Carlson. Learn more about Christine's upcoming retreats, online courses, public speaking events, and more at christinecarlson.com and don'tsweat.com.